God bless you. It's so good to be back again with you today. Thank you so much for coming. We realize it's not always possible to travel to a service somewhere and to fellowship with the other people there, so we bring the service to you, wherever you are. And today we hope you'll be encouraged as you discover God's peace and the promises in His Word for your life. Would you open in your Bibles to James chapter 4? That's where we're going to be today. And We'll also be putting those verses up here in the video for you just to make it easier for you to follow along. I'd like to talk to you today about peacemakers. You know, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus said in the Beatitudes, what we call those blessings, He said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. In the last verse of James 3, which we covered just last week, it left us with this verse. It said, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Are you kind of getting the feeling that peace is important to God? It is. And so He doesn't want you to just fight and do all of these things amongst with other people and fight for ideas and things like that. He wants you to demonstrate His wisdom, which comes down from Him, which is pure and peaceable and of good report, willing to yield not to yield on the important things like the divinity of Jesus the Lord, not to yield on the important things like He was the Messiah who died for our sins so that we might be saved. But if you have something that someone's arguing about and you just feel strongly about it, why don't you just let them have that? And just, you pick the, you pick the battles that really matter. The battles over spiritual things, the battles over everlasting life. You choose those battles. Take the high road in life. It's a lot easier as you're going through life and other people will see what you're doing and they will think of you as a peacemaker. They'll like being around you, even if they're arguing with you, even if they feel like they made a mistake or even if they feel like you made a mistake, they're still going to admire you and respect you because you handled it the right way. So just like that verse says at the end of James 3, if you're seeking righteousness, you're seeking to live for God. And to do that, you live the life of a peacemaker. The seeds of righteousness are sown by making peace. That's what that verse said in the end of James chapter 3. Always be thinking about how you can end an argument in a peaceful manner. Put aside your own emotions and fleshly desires to get even with that other person or to win that argument. Instead, why don't you smile and love them? Bless them. Pray for them. Be a peacemaker. Choose the way of peace. That's what should be controlling your life now, the, the peace of God. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross has given all who believe on Him the peace of God. So let the Spirit of God use that peace in your life each new day to show others God's love. Let His peace show them another way in life to where they don't have to stress about each and every argument, about everything. They don't have to fight to get their way all the time. Show them that the petty things that they're thinking about and arguing about really aren't important in the grand scheme of life. Show them that the one thing that is important is to have God living in you through His Son, Jesus Christ. Show them that His peace in your heart is what's really important in life. 
Let your life be an example to them. An example of someone who is secure in God's love. Someone who has His peace in their life. Then as they see you take that high road, they'll want to have what you have, what you've found in life. Here's what I'm saying. Don't fall into the trap where you think life is all about yourself. Don't live like a simple animal concerned only with the things that you want. Think of others. Think beyond yourself. Give your needs to God. He'll take care of you and provide for you everything that you need. Live life trusting Him and resting in His care. And don't spend your time arguing about those things that don't matter, those trivial, petty things. You don't have to win every argument. Just let it go and get on with life. Those things are only temporary. Those things are the things of this world. Instead, why don't you let God fight your battles for you? Why don't you let Him be your defender? He can defend you a lot better than you yourself, and He doesn't sleep. He's on duty 24-7. He's watching out for you. You just give your cares, you give those battles to Him. Let Him be your defender. Let Him be the one who puts peace in your heart. And then He'll take care of those other issues in life. He'll take care of that situation you're facing with that person, that argument that you're having with that person that's so hard to get along with, that person that seems to always want to argue with you about every little thing that comes up. You focus on higher things, the things above, the things of the kingdom of heaven. You'll be much happier in life if your attention is there. You know, as I mentioned before, as a hobby, I do astrophotography. I'll go out to a really dark place and spend almost all night there until 3, 5 o'clock in the morning with a telescope photographing the heavens. And it's a very technical process and a very long process. And it's pretty much automated. I'll program my telescope and my camera to take maybe 30 or 40, 50 pictures of something that's very, very faint. You can't even see it when you're looking at it with your eyes. But if you take all of these pictures of it, then later afterward it stacks one picture on top of another in the computer and slowly an image starts to come out. And all of those things stacked on top of one another where each star, each little nebula, piece of gas in space stacks on top of each other and you begin to see this beautiful full color picture with these pinpoint stars, amazing things, the things that you see. And since I've developed these things before on the computer and I know that even though I don't see things while I'm taking the pictures, when I get home and put it all together, it's going to be beautiful. I love this hobby. Well, that's a situation like God does in your own life. You may not see how just giving that person the benefit of the doubt or letting them win that argument is going to help you. You can't see it at the time, but over time God will work with it and He'll bring an image up, He'll bring a picture up and you'll see what He's doing in the heart of that other person that you were talking to. And not only that, you'll see what He's doing in your heart as He gives you peace from just walking away from that conflict. Focus your heart on those higher things. I was just looking up at the skies the other night while I was out with the telescope and it's all automated so it was doing it on its own and I had nothing to do. I was just looking up. 
And it was one of those places that when the moon wasn't up, there was no city lights anywhere close. It was 4,000 feet high in the mountains, in the middle of the mountains. And you could just see the Milky Way. It looked like a cloud of billions and billions of stars. And I'm looking up and I'm just thinking, wow, God, look how powerful you are. In the beginning, you created the heavens and the earth. Huha bore, he's the creator. Bore is the Hebrew word for creator. Creator. Who is the Hebrew word for he? Huha bore, he is the creator. And if you look up at these things, the thing that I figured out was that as I was looking up, I'd lower my head back down and look at the telescope again. And I thought to myself, you know what? The things happening on this earth, no matter what they are, if it's an argument I'm in with a person, or if it's a political election, no matter what it is, really, in the grand scheme of creation, in God's eyes, those things aren't important. He'll take care of you. Why don't you put your life in His hands? Now, don't go around judging others, because you yourself are guilty of a lot of things, too. I know I am. I'm sure you are too, and we won't bring up lists to see who's guiltier, right? I don't want to talk about those things. God has told us in Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. In other words, God will judge you as you judge other people. Now think about that for a moment. You show them mercy, you forgive them, and God will likewise then show you mercy for the things that you've done wrong. But if you don't show others mercy, God can't show you mercy either. What you sow is going to be what you reap. Now this chapter in James 4 today is about seeking the high road in life, about not arguing about every little thing that comes along, about being a peacemaker. This chapter today is about looking past that other person's angry face and those angry words that they're saying. This chapter is about looking past all of that Instead, looking deep inside that person to the need that must be in their heart. Then you can love that person and speak to them with a smile on your face and bless them. And this chapter gives you wise instructions on how you can do that, how you can be a peacemaker. Let's take a look at James chapter 4 together. It begins in verse 1. Let's read it. It says in James 4 verse 1, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you don't have. You murder and you covet and you can't obtain. You fight and you go to war, yet you do not have because you don't ask God. You ask and you don't receive because you're asking amiss for things that you want instead of the things of the kingdom of heaven, you see. It says you ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, verse 4 says, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? It makes you to be an enemy with God when you're trying to be a friend of the world. You have to choose in life. What are you going to live your life for? Are you going to live your life in the way that the world has for you? Or are you going to live your life in the way that God has for you? In the way the world has for you, things aren't going to go good. The world lies to you. 
Satan is the prince of this world. He lies to you. His only desire is to seek you out, to destroy you, to lie to you, to hurt you, and to do all of that because he doesn't like God. But he can't do anything against God. So he has to turn his attention to God's people. And Satan tries to hurt you. But God's ways give you peace inside. God's ways give you everlasting life beyond these few years that you have on this world. So don't be a friend of the world. Be a friend of God. Be a child of God. And it says in verse 4, Whoever there, therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. It's like we just said, right? Verse 5, Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? In other words, the Holy Spirit who's given to live in us after we believe on Christ. He's jealous for us. He doesn't want you to spend your time loving the world, loving the things that will hurt you and kill you. He's jealous of you. He wants you to be with Him throughout eternity. But verse 6 then goes on to say, but He gives more grace. Therefore, He says, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Now, we need to talk about that for a moment. Pride and selfish ambition. That's what these first six verses are all about. All of these things that are mentioned are talking about things that you desire for your own pleasure. Things that you desire that you're tempted with. That you want to give that flesh what it wants. You want to feed that flesh everything that comes to your mind. You see something, you want it. All of a sudden it becomes the focus. You think in your mind, if I just get that, I'll finally be happy. Isn't it interesting that once you get that, you're not happy for very long. A few minutes, what, a day maximum? Then your eyes are on something else. You see, that sin lied to you. You go through life looking for the things that are better than what you have. You go through life always seeking, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth and the peace of God in your life. Don't be deceived. Put your attention on the things of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Pride and selfish ambition make conflicts. Take your attention off of yourself. Take that word self out of your mind. Don't have room for anger and arguments in your life anymore. Those can even end up in wars when people want stuff, whether that stuff is a new car or that stuff is more land for their country. Those things can end up even in wars. For new things for yourself, it can make you to where you are stepping all over other people in order to achieve what you want in life. It's the same way with the ruler of a nation. He wants more land so he can be in power over even more territory. And so he goes to war and sends people off to war. Now, I'm not saying that all war is bad. I will say that in the end, in the book of Revelation, the Lord makes a new heaven and a new earth and he will dwell with man and there will be no more war. So what we're saying is, he has put leaders in place to protect certain countries. 
He's put leaders in place, for instance, in Israel. It was King David, Hamelech David, King David, you know him by. And God put him there and anointed him, and he actually defended the nation of Israel against the invaders and those who were trying to steal Israel's land, Israel's blessings, and territory. Now, that was war, and David was really a man of war. That's why God wouldn't allow him to build the temple, but he allowed his son instead, Hamelach Shlomo. You know him as King Solomon. So he allowed him instead because David was a man of war. So there are times when God can choose a person to be there to execute the wars that God wants to use to either punish another nation or to protect the nation of the person who's leading this nation in a war of defense. So I'm not like those other people. I mean, I'm a peacemaker, but that doesn't mean that I'm a peace activist. Peace activist today, sometimes that means that someone who doesn't believe in war for any reason at all, if someone comes in and invades your country, they believe you should just sit down and talk with them. Well, listen, let's just get together and talk. You don't know me. I don't know you. Let's just sit here together and maybe we can figure out something to where you don't have to invade our nation. Oh, please, get serious. They're not interested in compromising. They're not interested in compromises with you. They're in a position of power. They don't have to compromise with you. And they're willing to show you that they're not going to take your conditions for peace. And so there are times in life when you do have to defend yourself. There are times in life when a nation has to defend itself. And if it doesn't, it won't be a nation long for long. And here's why. There's evil people out there. Not everybody is good. Sometimes I think that there's people in life that think that man is basically good and that if they're doing something evil against us, it must be because we've done something wrong to them. And so they start blaming ourselves for what that other person is trying to do. Now, when 9-11 happened and those planes flew into the Twin Towers there in New York City, some people were saying like, well, we must have done something to that country. We've done something to that people and that's why they did this. No, they did that because their religion taught them to kill everyone who didn't believe in their God. That's why they did that. That's why they said they did that. That's what their book, the Quran, says to do, is to kill all the unbelievers, the infidels, in jihad, which is simply struggle or war. So that's why they did that. Have we done wrong? Oh yeah, we've done wrong. But did we cause them to do that, to fly those planes into those buildings? No, we didn't. People always try to justify their anger. They try to justify their war. But you have to be prepared to defend your country or else you won't have a country for long. And God gave you the land and He wants you to take care of it. He wants you to make it a righteous place for the citizens to live. That's why He says He puts the authorities in place. He puts the rulers in place so that they might administer justice to the people. 
and punish the ones who break the law and praise the ones who keep the law. So anytime you're hearing people talk about, we don't need laws, we'll just be okay, just doing whatever our emotions tell us. No, that's not the way it works. That's the way Hitler got started. He didn't care about international laws or any other laws. He wanted power. He wanted to be the man over everything. That's sometimes that's just what drives people. It's power, pride, selfish ambition. And that's why the Bible says that those are evil. Pride, selfish ambition. Get your eyes off yourself. And those conflicts, anger and arguments, even the wars, will go away. Put your eyes on God and let Him take care of you in every situation. Now the second part of this chapter, and there's really four parts that we're going to cover today, is talking about how humility cures pride or worldliness. It says in verse 7, Now therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Now what he's saying there is, look, stop being so proud about everything. We live in an age where it seems to be something that people think is good to have pride in who you are, to have a gay pride uh, parade, even though it's a... Uh, an abomination biblically and everything, to be proud of your sins, to be proud of your rebellion, to be proud of your dislike of God, and you try to elevate yourself before other people, and you're proud. And God says in the Bible so many places, He says, the proud He will bring low. But when you humble yourself, God will lift you up. That's the promise. And that's the promise to lift you up, but remember it's also the promise to bring you low if you are proud and haughty and you have a high opinion of yourself. God wants you to be humble. It's not really difficult to be humble. All you have to do is take an honest look at yourself. Ask yourself if you have any faults. Ask yourself if you've sinned lately. Ask yourself if you've sinned today. And keep in mind to add those thoughts of sin as well, because those are sin too. When you do that, you'll find that you're not as good as you think you are. What you'll find is your righteousness is not enough to please God. You have to have the Son of God's atoning sacrifice to cover your sins, and then you will please God. Believe on Him whom God sent. That man that came up to Jesus in the New Testament one time, and he said he recognized that Jesus was a teacher sent from God because nobody could do those miracles that Jesus was doing unless God was with him. And so this man thought he would talk and say something and ask a religious question. And what he asked was, Lord, what must I do to do the works of God? Look at that question he asked again. What must I do to do the works of God? The answer that Jesus gave him is amazing. Listen very carefully to it. Jesus simply said, This is the work of God, that you believe on Him whom God sent. 
period. And he didn't say anything else. The man was just like so many of us today where it feels like you have to do this and this and this to be righteous. And there's all these rules and you have the Sheshmot, Shaloshes, Re Mitzvot, Israel, Le Yehudim. You have the 613 commands of the Torah in Israel and for the Jews. And you're always looking at those, oh, I got to do these and these and these. And then the rabbis add other things there and you don't know what to do because you can't even remember them all. And yet you're supposed to keep them all every second of every day. God didn't do that because he's mean. He gave you the law to show you that you could never, by your own righteousness, keep all of the law. And he did that to lead you to believing on His Messiah and receiving righteousness not because of your works but because of His mercy. It all comes back to God. You can't save yourself. He can. And I liked looking up at those stars last night as I was looking up at that Milky Way thinking, wow God, look what you made. Things so far away, so unimaginably larger than the world we live on, than the sun that we have as our star, which is a million times bigger than the earth, sinks so unimaginably larger and grander than anything that we have here, and you did it all. And then that forces you to ask yourself the question, well, can God fix my little problems then? I think He can. I guess He can. If He did all of that, why don't you give Him your problems? Don't worry. He'll do it. He's God. And He's also your Heavenly Father. And He's shown His love for you in the cross of Calvary when God became a man and Jesus Christ gave His life for you. To pay for your sins so that you could live forever in the kingdom of heaven with Him. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Look up sometimes. Don't just look this direction around you. Look up sometimes and see how awesome and mighty and glorious God is. That'll humble you. Oh, that will humble you. But when your eyes are always on the mirror and your eyes are always on yourself, and you, you don't look up, your neck doesn't work to do that. Instead, you're looking around here and you're looking down here and you're looking at that cell phone all the time. Get your eyes off of those things and put them on God Almighty. He will lift you up when you humble yourself. Then the third thing that this chapter says, it says, don't judge a brother. Verse 11 continues, don't speak evil of one another, brothers. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law, and he judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but you're a judge. There's only one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another. That's what this section between verse 7 and verse 12 ends with. Who are you to judge another? That's a good question. It says, don't judge others. God is the judge. That's pretty simple logic, right? I think we all agree that in the end, God is the judge. You don't know what's happening in that person's heart. You don't know what situations that they're going through. I'm not justifying the things that they do all the time. But you don't know the story. And so how can you judge another's 
when you don't know what they're going through. You're going through things yourself. And people sometimes judge you from the outward appearance, right? And you say to yourself, they don't know. They don't understand what I'm going through. They don't know why I did that. Yes, it was wrong, but they don't know all the stress I'm facing right now. You expect other people to not judge you. Why don't you not judge them? You show mercy and you'll receive mercy, right? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Of course, that also means if you don't show mercy, you won't receive mercy from God. So showing mercy is not only a good idea, it's important to receive mercy. When you show mercy, you're imitating your Heavenly Father, who is merciful and full of compassion. It says in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, several times, God, you are good and your mercy endures forever. You forgive because you have been forgiven. It's really that simple. The last part of this chapter says, don't boast about tomorrow. It says in verse 13, as we continue through the end of this chapter now, come now. You who say today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a city. We'll spend a year there and we'll buy and sell and we'll make some money. We'll make a profit. Whereas you don't know what will happen tomorrow, it says in verse 14. For what is your life? It's even like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll live or do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Now, look at what it said. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Well, that's pretty easy to agree with, isn't it? I mean, you think you know what's going to happen. Oh, yeah, well, on my schedule, I have this and this and this. There's a lot of people that had a schedule made out when they were in a car wreck and lost their life the day before. You don't know what's going to happen in life. Put your life in God's hands. He knows the future. And He's promised you as His child that you will fulfill the days that He has for you. That's all any of us can ask. That's all any of us could want. And when we're His, He'll cause it all to work out for the good somehow. And if we're absent from this life on earth, we go to a much better place. And we're with our Heavenly Father who loves us, who, oh, by the way, created all things and has all power. And loves you greatly. That sounds like life to me. That's everlasting life in the kingdom of heaven. What are you going through down here? I know you've got some good times, but let's be honest, you also have some bad times. You have times of trials. You have times when you're hurting. I mean, yesterday I was trying to open something. I know better than to take my knife and pull it toward me and but I, I, it was just easier to hold something this way and I held it and when I did my knife blade just kind of went right across my finger and cut my finger and I go man that hurts but we won't have times like that in heaven probably because they don't allow pocket knives no anyway probably because God will not allow anything that hurts he's watching over you all the time this life has trials does that surprise you? Shouldn't, shouldn't surprise you. We all have trials. Everyone with trials, raise your hand right now. I'm looking right through the camera now. I'm looking at you. Do you have trials in life? 
I'll do. In fact, I'll raise both hands. But I'll raise both hands praising God who takes care of those trials for me. He says, your life, in verse 14, is like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. You ever seen those clouds form sometimes when the conditions are right? And they'll just start forming out of nothing, just right, right above you. But then as the temperature changes, it cools off, or the heat comes, the sun starts shining through, those clouds just kind of vanish away, don't they? Sometimes they blow away. Many times they just kind of disappear. The steam that comes out when you're making hot water for coffee or for tea in the, in the morning or sometime during the day, and that uh, water is heating up, steam comes out of the top and looks like a little cloud, doesn't it? And you can see it, you could touch that cloud, except that it would be really hot. You could touch that, but if you just let it travel up for about a foot or so, about a half a meter or so, it disappears. He's saying that's the way life is. It's like a vapor. It's around for a little while and then it vanishes away. So why spend all of your energy on that part of your life? Should be focusing instead on everlasting life. Lay up those treasures in heaven where no thief can break in and steal. Where it doesn't corrupt or get old. Those treasures are safe when you lay them up in heaven. But you can't have treasures on earth. You can't take them with you. And even if you live long enough to have them here, they get obsolete, they get old. Thieves break in and steal them. They get rusted, they corrupt, and you have to upgrade those cars that were new when you bought it, and now it's old, and you're thinking about trying to get a new one. It's just an endless process. There is no lasting treasure on earth. So lay up your treasures in heaven. Remember that your life here is like a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes away. It says in verse 15, as it wraps up, So instead you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live or do this and that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. What he's talking about is you think you have a plan, you've got it all figured out, you're going to go into the city, you're going to sell this product and this product, and the next year you're going to increase to this product and this product. You've got your business plan all figured out, and you're boasting about how wise you are and how much money you're going to make. He says, but you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. But like it's written, let him who boasts boast in the Lord. If the Lord is with you, that's all that matters. He'll take care of everything else, and you probably won't even know what the plan is before you're finished with it. And then you look back and you go, wow, God, look at what you did. You caused all of this to happen. And verse 17 simply closes out this chapter. It says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him is sin. In other words, don't boast about tomorrow. Don't have these selfish desires. Trust your days on earth and all things in life. To God. And if you know to do these things, that's not enough. But if you know them, make sure that you do them. Because if you don't do what you know you should do, then that's sin. And so he ends up with this admonition, this warning. Remember to not just talk about these things. Remember to not just know that they're good, but actually make them a part of your life. 
He says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. God wants you to win. He wants you to come through this good. You see, all that living for yourself has done is to make you stressed. It can make you angry at others and leave you depressed. When you set your mind on the things of this world, you labor for the temporary pleasures of life. And they are temporary. You're not going to be satisfied. You're not going to be happy. And you can't be a peacemaker with someone else if you yourself don't have God's peace in your own heart. And just to show you how much of your life really revolves around yourself, try a little experiment sometime. Try to go through a full day without saying the word I. Not this I, but this I. I. Me. Don't say the word I when you talk and see how much you talk. I tried that one time and sadly I found out that I only said about 20% as much words as I did before. That meant that 80% of my time I had been talking about me. That's sad. That really taught me a lesson about myself. Make life all about loving God and loving others. Take yourself out of the position of being a king in your life and put God on the throne. Love Him and love others. And guess what will happen then? You'll actually have that happiness you've been seeking. You'll feel fulfilled and at peace inside. When you're thinking about others instead of yourself, you're thinking of the way Christ was thinking. When He gave His life away so that we could live and be at peace forever. Have everlasting life in the kingdom of heaven. So that we could experience the wonders of God's love and have the hope of heaven in our own hearts. And God will take care of all your cares and needs because you've dedicated your life to being a peacemaker. You can give all those situations, all those trials, all that stress, you can give it all to God today, right now. If you call out to Him, He'll hear that cry and He'll answer you and He'll rescue you from the darkness you're facing and He'll shine His light on your heart and you'll be given newness of life. His hope will replace that anger and despair that has had you in its grip for all this time. And He'll change you into a new person. Throw all that bad history away. You'll be given a completely new life. You'll be made new. You'll be given a completely new start. And He will give you everlasting life in heaven. That's His promise. It's guaranteed by God Himself. We want to give you an opportunity to believe in Jesus as the Messiah and Lord and to receive God's peace in your life today. You can be saved and given everlasting life in heaven by simply believing that God sent His one and only Son into the world to save us from judgment. Just pray something like this. You can repeat after me. Say, God, I do want to know you and have real peace in life. I believe on your Son, Jesus Christ, as Lord. Please forgive all my sins. I give my life to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, God heard you. And He's already started working in your life. A little seed's been planted deep down in your own heart. Over time, you'll begin to see the wonderful changes that God's making in your heart. Get in a good Bible-based church. Learn about Him every day in His Word and talk to Him every day in prayer. He's going to do amazing things in your life.